Hi friend, do you ever need to create marketing materials easily? Whether you need to make flyers or artwork for your blog, your podcast, or any number of different things, check out Canva. Go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva. That's C-A-N-V-A. I've been using the free version of Canva for many, many years, and I recently upgraded to the pro version, and it's awesome. So go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva to learn more. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I am your host, Winston Wittis, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is about doing what you love. Do what you love and the money will follow, or so they say. Is it really true? Well the kinkly sound um yeah it totally depends on a number of factors i'm not gonna just tell you things that sound cool in order to uh make you feel happy about things that are not necessarily true i want to shoot straight with you friend because i think there's a lot of bs out there and a lot of people that sell things um with you know by telling people that hey this is easy just do what you love and the money will follow and that's uh, complete BS, to be perfectly honest. And not complete BS. There's some elements of truth in that potentially. But in the sentence as it is, that phrase by itself, um, yeah, not not entirely true. A lot of room for interpretation and misinterpretation and uh, BS. Okay? So, do what you love, period. Get money may or not be related period the, uh, so okay let's back up so what how did i jump into this topic for today's episode well well i uh received in a message from a, a friend who uh, does some pretty awesome stuff he's got a hobby that is uh, a passion he's very good at it he crushes it people he actually instructs because he's so good at it and he's so passionate about it and he wants to be able to do more of it. And I have not yet talked with this uh, this friend in depth about it. Um, so I'm just uh, kind of wanted to just be general and vague with you and um, still touch on some of the main points because this applies to so many things. And, uh, you know, I got his message and, you know, I can, I can, I feel for him. He's asking basically like, hey, I'm in this spot. I want to, you know, improve and excel at this thing that I love to do, but I'm not making any money. How do I how do I make a living while still trying to do this thing? And you know I'm already teaching it, but you know that's not enough. And um, what's next? What else can we do? Let's talk about it. So I said, okay, you know, let's uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. And um, and then there comes the the logistics of how do I help him, right? Because uh, I'm a full time consultant already. I'm booked to the max. I, I literally um, consult twenty to thirty uh businesses a week that's right 20 to 30 businesses a week so i'm literally consulting 82 uh do some math winston 120 businesses a month on average that's a heck of a lot of businesses i i it's hard for me to cram in anymore um you know but uh this is a friend so i want to be able to to figure something out and then uh that's a big part of what finder flow is about right is this idea of like, hey, you have this thing that you're maybe awesome at, that you love, that you're passionate about. How can you make money 
either doing it or um, make money so that you can, uh, you know, it's something else so that you can continue to do the thing that you want to do. Right. And so that's what Finder Flow is about is me creating tools, producing content that will hopefully help you to do more of the thing you want to do. That's the cash flow piece of this whole equation is how do you get your cash flowing so that you can do the things that you want to do that give your spirit flow, that give your mind flow and everything else in your body and uh, spirit and social life flow. How can you make it all flow, friend? Where's the balance? And is there a balance in trying to do the thing you love and make money from it? Is, or is that, in some instances, not going to work? We hear that do what you love and the money will follow line in uh, pop culture and, you know, books and tapes and, peop, you know, the talking heads online and whatnot. How true is it? How true is it? Is it really? And even if it is true, is that is that really what you want? So I'm going to give you some insights from my perspective. Obviously, I'm just talking about me and my own personal experiences. So feel free to disagree. Okay. Feel free to um, not believe. Uh, well, no, I'm going to be telling you things that are true from my perspective. I'm not going to be lying to you. Uh, but what I mean by that is, um, you know, do your own testing. Try things out for yourself, right? And uh, maybe what I'm saying you may be true for me, but you have a different perspective and your your truth could also be true, right? So um, we might have what seem to be conflicting truths, and that's okay. So my experience with this is I'm, I'm a musician, uh, although I don't play much music these days, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, it is what it is. We'll get around to that. I started playing music in uh, probably third grade. Fourth grade is when I was kind of uh, starting to take piano lessons, keyboard lessons. They were okay. I wasn't a huge fan, but I took them for a year or two. And then I got into fifth grade, and I was able to join the band at school and learn a different instrument. And that's where I picked up the saxophone, the alto saxophone. And that, for me, was like, that was it. Forget the keyboard. Saxophone's where it's at. And so I started taking uh, band lessons there and then started taking private lessons down the road. And played saxophone i still play it um again not super often but i went to to uh high school played it or even in middle school played it in band uh jazz band concert band same thing in high school same thing in college um i wasn't in the marching band at college i kind of wish i would have but i didn't so uh, but i was in jazz bands and that was really really fun and um so I got to do music for many years. And when I was in high school, I was, you know, not, I was like many, you know, I had a hard time in high school and it was not always the happiest of times for me, especially like freshman through junior year. I had a lot of just internal challenges, you know, not that school was particularly hard, although it was kind of for me. Um, but the social aspect was pretty hard and uh, just the internal struggle was pretty hard. So as I got a little bit older, junior year, senior year, things started to kind of start to, to uh, click for me a little bit and figured some stuff out with life. And um, around that time, senior year, we got a new band teacher. And this band teacher really changed my perspective on band, on marching band, on music in general, on teaching, on life. You know, it just it, it totally changed my perspective on a lot of things. And that was a big, had a big impact on me. I was like, man, this is, is really amazing and this is something that I didn't 
expect. I wasn't in band to have my life changed. You know, that was not <laughs> part of the appeal for me. And yet it had a profound effect on me. And so I felt very compelled at that point and very called, if you will, to pay it forward or pay it back, both. Pay it back to um, Mr. Anthony, the band teacher that really, you know, brought this change to our school and our band and to pay it forward to other kids that would be coming up maybe like me that, you know, were not in a good place mentally and, uh, you know, emotionally and that maybe somehow music could help them, right? And so that was, that was like, and I had no intention of going to college, right? I'm not, I was not college bound. I was going through the motions. My parents weren't pushing for college. That wasn't a big deal in our household. And so um, it wasn't really anything that I was trying to, you know, get good grades for. I, you know, I didn't feel drawn to get good grades for any particular reason. I wasn't motivated for that. Um, and so, but then when I realized like, hey, you know, I want to be a music teacher. I want to change people's lives and be awesome. And, uh, oh, you have to have a degree for that. Well, I guess I better figure out how to go to college. And so I went to community college and uh, kind of went that route until I got into a four-year. And um, I knew that – let's stay focused. Okay. So I knew that making I, – I, I had a sense that being a musician was something I wanted to do my whole life. Like I definitely knew it. I knew I wanted to – you know, I was in a band, uh, a couple bands – at that time, like outside of school bands, a punk rock band. Um, I actually just won at that time. And it was really, you know, it was my passion. It was my best friends and I, and we were in a punk band, and we played shows outside of school, and we had a lot of fun. So there was this dream, you know, the dream that many young musicians have. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to tour the world playing music, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to party my face off, and it's going to be awesome. Woo! And we did that, we did, except for the touring part and the getting paid lots of money and living like rock stars part. We did out, we did, we did party like rock stars. I'll give us that. Like we, we did not, we did not, you know, we did that right. We were pretty decent for our budgets and for our age and you know all that. Like we, we partied hard every weekend. We crushed shows. It was awesome. Super fun. What, um, but, you know, even, even back then, I remember like realizing like, man, when is it going to happen? We, and we were hustling, you know, we were trying everything we could and, uh, trying to get exposure and do shows and party and this whole thing. And, um, you know, having little successes here and there and, uh, you know, me keep thinking like, man, I got to get this figured out before, I, you know, get married and have kids. Like I want to have already toured the world and be a rock star. So that way I can settle down and have kids afterwards. So for me, there was kind of always that piece in the back of my head, like, man, I got to make this happen now. And, you know, it just wasn't. And I also, you know, once I got out of college, so going into college, I studied music, which was, uh, you know, many people are just like, dude, that's stupid. Why would you, what are you going to do with music? You you know, you, why would you get a degree in music? Why not something useful? And for me, the idea was like, hey, this is, I'm going to do this my whole life. Like, I'm an, I am a musician. I will create music my whole life. I will perform my whole life. And I want to learn 
how to get good at music as quickly and easily as possible. So that way, in case there's periods of my life where I have to focus on other things, I can come back to music and get good again very quickly because I'll know so much about it. That was my thought process back then. And I still believe that was a pretty freaking good choice on my part, if I do say so myself. I know how to get good at things very quickly. And that's partly what Finder Flow is about is, um, you know, the system that I've developed, the three steps to flow, that allows me and ideally you, if you try it, to uh, experience flow and get into a flow state very quickly and easily with anything. Get good at something quickly because of this process. And so I'm very passionate about that. And so there was, um, you know, getting out of college then was like, okay, boom, real world. Now what? Got to get a job. Got to, you know, boom, we had rent. We moved back to San Diego, Elena and I. And it was like, okay, we're living together for the first time. This was, you know, the first time we'd ever lived together. We weren't quite married yet, but we were engaged. And we had a little two-bedroom apartment in uh, Point Loma. And we were really stoked. And she was, you know, just got her teaching credential. And she got this little private school teaching gig. Uh, and I was like, what the heck am I going to do? Okay, so I started teaching music lessons. Started picking up a bunch of private students. And doing that and also doing, um, I think I might have, yeah, I think I started working for a, a company that had, that did private lessons. So I got students from them. Then I also got my own private students. Oh, I was DJing still, duh. So I was a professional DJ, right? So I was DJing and uh, making money doing that as well, promoting shows. So I was a promoter of events. So I put on events and DJ and make money that way. So I had, those were my trifectas. My, that was my trifecta. The way I found out how to be a full-time musician, or not musician, full-time in music, that's an important distinction, um, full-time. It was awesome, right? Now, I'll also point out that my wife is amazing, and she was, you know, very supportive. And uh, I was not earning huge sums of money, okay? We weren't, like, living lavishly. She was making more money than me. And she would occasionally remind me of that, right? Which was not a super fun thing, but she never was like too too bad about it, you know? And um, it was a beautiful thing in the sense that I was able to do what I loved and what she also loved, you know, about me was that I was a musician and was able to play music and do these cool shows. And, you know, she and her friends would come out and support me at shows and get the VIP treatment and all that kind of fun stuff that's, part of the perks of being married to a DJ, you know, uh, when I used to do these cool downtown events. So anyway, I was doing it. And the thing was, was I a full-time musician? No, not exactly, because I taught, right? So a lot of people say, well, you know, those I can't teach. And I disagree with that, because being a good teacher and being good at doing the thing are not, there's people who are really good at doing the thing that suck at teaching. And there's people who are really good at teaching that suck at doing the thing. And there's people that are good at doing both. And I uh, feel fortunate. And uh, obviously, I'm subjective and biased, but I feel that I'm good at doing both. I like teach. I love teaching. I feel passionate about teaching because I, if I can help somebody cut down that learning curve and avoid some of the mistakes and things that I've gone through, man, I'm all about that. It, it gets me passionate and lit up, you know, to, to help people on their journey. So, that's something that was really important to me. You know, I really wanted that. And I had it. I had it with these private students through this company and through my own students. And 
then as uh, you know, then I had the DJ gigs and the DJ gigs were really cool. And I'd go out and promote for those and do these things. And that was also me performing. I got to perform uh, on the weekends and uh, sometimes on off nights on the weeknights. So I was doing music in uh, basically three different categories and then uh, kind of went into real estate. And that's a kind of a different piece of the story. But that was something I did for years. I eventually uh, got into uh, with some private schools. And so I started teaching at private schools during the day because getting private lessons in, uh, during the day was very hard because kids are in school, right? So I learned, oh, you know what? The kids are in school. So what I got to do is get into the schools. So um, I need to get my teaching credential. But that would have cost a lot of money that I didn't have. I didn't want to take out loans. So for me, I realized, hey, what I got to do is um, teach at private schools. They do not require a teaching credential, just a degree in in something and so I had a degree in music and that's what I got to teach so I was teaching at private schools during the day and then uh, private lessons at night and then DJing on the weekend so it's all music and it was amazing I did that for a number of years so is it possible yeah it's totally possible but it didn't just happen by itself I didn't just do what I love and it magically happened not to say that that can't happen I don't want to limit you right that can absolutely happen but let's just say let's make up some plan b's just in case right let's have some some other ways to go about doing this if we want to be a little proactive about it right so what ways might you be able to look at what you love doing oh so kind of us uh, we're getting short on time here um as as we got a little bit older right we got a little bit more Elena started getting better, uh, a better teaching job, getting more money. We started growing up a little bit and uh, wanting some nicer things. We moved into a different part of town. Um, you know, we're we're getting older. We're we're becoming more mature, and I'm not making much more money than I was. Right, I was doing the DJ thing, but there's not there wasn't a ton of money in it, and um, I actually got the opportunity to lay down some baselines for a. Uh, relatively famous producer, music dance music producer, who is pretty well known here on the West Coast um, and probably, you know, across, um, you know, from, from people that know electronic dance music back then, it's just called house music or um, it, whatever. Uh, but anyway, I got I to play bass for this guy for, um, for an album he was putting together. And he was talking with me and he's like, yeah, you know, those, those gigs that... Um, are just getting harder and harder to come by. Those $1,000 gigs are, you know, they're just getting fewer and far between. And he said that, and it it just, two things immediately jumped out. One was like, here's this guy who I'm thinking, you know, he's a superstar as far as I'm concerned. And, and uh, a, a company that I was um, working with for, uh, for a year or so, as a DJ, I got to open uh, under some of the biggest names in the scene at the time, um, you know, uh, DJ Micro, um, DJ uh, Triangle, DJ um, just Theo, and uh, other other guys that if you're into that kind of music, you might know. And, uh, you know, they're old school now, but uh, back then they were you know, big, big names. Some of them still are. And um, this this thing was like, man, this guy, you know, is only making $1,000 a gig? And granted, that was more money than I was making by far. I was only making about 200 bucks a night. But that blew my mind. It was like, that's like, I'm shooting for to be in this guy's spot. And he's only making $1,000 a gig. 
and in my mind, I'm thinking like he's making five, ten, fifteen, twenty plus thousand. Well, I knew he wasn't making that much, but I was thinking at least five grand, ten grand a gig, you know. And so when I heard that, I was like, holy crap! And then he's saying like those gigs are getting harder and harder to come by. They're fewer and far between. And it's like, oh dang it! What am I aiming for? What is the, you know, it's like the moving target all of a sudden. You know, if you've heard people talk about putting their ladder up against the wrong wall and only figuring that out after they've climbed all the way to the top. I wasn't even to the top yet. And I, I'm seeing that I put my ladder against the wrong wall. And it's like, dude, this is what is going on here. I, I had to re reevaluate my life, my, my direction, right? What I was trying to do. I was heading toward a dead wall in a sense or dead, a dead end. And so, um, so around that time, you know, and I'm hearing the the mom-in-law, you know, coming down on why isn't Winston get a real job and, you know, when's he going to make real money and, you know, that whole line. And that's never a fun position to be in, right? And uh, and at the same time, we did want kids at some point in time. So there was a lot of pressure coming from a lot of different angles. And uh, I so I was like, okay, well, I got to make some more money. What am I going to do? And, and I got, you know, it's like, well, weddings. My mom had been involved with the wedding industry for many years as a uh, makeup artist and as a photographer. And I knew that there was a lot of money in weddings. I didn't really want to become a uh, wedding DJ. <laughs> but I recognized that I needed to do something. And so what I do, I had to, I had to start adjusting. Right, I didn't just fall into it. Um, I had to kind of work toward it, and I recognized that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but it would allow me to kind of stay in the same thing that I was doing and make more money. So I adjusted, and then I started learning about corporate events. And hey, I can make even more money potentially with corporate events. And so I started, uh, you know, evaluating my marketing and my my um, my image of who I was as a DJ and a performer and an artist. And I had to learn how to become an MC because these people don't just want some DJ playing dance music. They want people who can make announcements and, and, you know, keep the show going. So I had to learn these new skills and adjust. And, um, I started doing that and, uh, you know, hustling. I know, uh, fortunately I've always been pretty good at marketing. So I started getting gigs and doing these weddings and doing corporate events and started making more money. My first wedding, I remember I made 500 bucks and I was so excited because my highest paying DJ gig up to that point had been 200 bucks. So I more than doubled my my rate in one gig. And I it just opened my eyes. It's like, man, you know what? This is it's not my favorite thing, but I can make pretty good money doing this. And um and so over the years I learned how to uh, you know, improve my my skills, my services, my marketing, and started, you know, getting to the point where I could charge way more. So, but then something over the years else happened that was really, you know, part of the whole thing that I want to bring up with you today, which is it became work. It became a job, right? It was no longer, hey, I get to play these really cool gigs and dance all night and party all night. For one, I was getting too old for that. You know, the, all my friends that used to come out and support and have fun and party with me were all growing up too. They stopped coming out. They had day jobs. They had, you know, uh, responsibilities. They could only hang so late on certain nights anymore. So uh, uh, part of my, my fan base was starting to outgrow the scene. So it always has to be trying to recruit new people. And, um, you know, that's work, right? <clears throat> that's marketing. That's promotions. That's a, that's a hustle, guys. And uh, it's a hustle that I loved, but at the same time as I was getting older and slowing down a little bit, it's like, I'm not so sure I love this part of it anymore. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. 
and I didn't love necessarily being out all night anymore. And, uh, you know, things were just kind of changing in my life. So, um, but I still loved it. And I, but now I was doing this corporate stuff. I was doing the wedding stuff and it was music, but it was also getting, you know, it'd get very stressful. Weddings could be extremely stressful. Sometimes I was taking on the role of, uh, the wedding coordinator in many of these events, right? Because guess who makes all the announcements? Guess who's watching the timeline? Guess who's making sure everything goes smoothly and all the vendors are lined up properly and ready to do this at this time, not at that time. That was then falling into my lap. So I was able to charge more, which was great, but I was also taking on more and more responsibility. And, uh, and that would, you know, increase the stress. So it's like, okay, well, now I've got all this stress. I'm making more money, but I'm stressed the heck out for these events. And it is what it is, right? I'm still doing music. So I could always say, hey, I'm still doing music, still in the music scene, still getting paid to party. So this is all good, I think, right? Yeah, okay, cool. And um, But there was also part of me that's like, man, this is not cool. This is not what I signed up for. When I was DJing in clubs, I was playing music that I really loved to play, music that nobody else had really heard and that I got to break, music that I got to bring out to the mass or, you know, the mainstream, not the mainstream, but people in that scene that maybe had never heard that music. I got to bring in new music and play fun, awesome music that I really enjoyed, right? My passion. I was passionate about dance music and bringing it out there and getting people to dance. But now I'm playing these gigs where people tell me what to play or I'm playing the same top 40 songs that they played on the radio on my way over there. And I'm just playing the same darn songs over and over because that's all most people really want to hear is what's hot today. What's the new song on the radio? And that was incredibly frustrating and depressing in a sense because it's like this is this is exactly what I don't like. This is exactly not what I want to be doing with music. I'm not saying anything unique. I'm not doing anything unique. I'm playing top 40 and not to diss anybody in the top 40, you know, congrats to all those artists. It just wasn't what I had envisioned doing. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And, but I was getting paid, right? I found a way to do it. I found a way to get paid to do what I love to do, but was I really doing what I love to do? Kind of, right? There was definitely songs and music I got to play at some events that was music I hadn't heard in years, right? So like leading up to the event, I'd spend hours going through my music library, picking up a set list. And, you know, some couples had really good taste in music. So I got to listen to the music they requested. And that was really fun and cool. So it's like, okay, well, this part is cool. I like this. I haven't heard this song in years or that song. And, oh, I've never heard this one. This is a great song. So I got to discover music that I hadn't heard in forever or never. And that part was, it was on point. So there became kind of this like conflict for me, which is I, I felt like I had sold out, right? Because I wasn't doing what exactly what I wanted to, but I also needed to eat and keep my wife happy and provide for my, you know, provide for us to a certain degree, right? And I could have, and I had people, you know, other artists and DJ friends, I would totally say, yeah, I told, I sold out. Right. And some who, um, would say, well, no, I'm, you know, I'm not, I would never play those kind of gigs. I play music for me. I play music for, cause I love this music and this is all I want to play, but then they'd have a day job. Well, it's like, well, so you're going to sell eight hours of your day to go do something that has nothing to do with music. So not something you don't even really care about just to get a paycheck 
um, so that you can play this music, you know, just on a, a couple nights a week. Um, and how is that not selling out? You're selling out your life, right? But oh, but you're not selling out the music. Well, you know, that's that's an argument that that you could take either side or you could decide not to decide. So for me, I looked at that and said, well, that's not right either. I don't agree with that. Not that I disagree with it, but it's like that's not exactly what I want either to go just get some random day job just so I can do the music I love part, super part time on the weekend. You know, it just, it became, it's, you know, what is the thing that I love? And if I get paid to do the thing I love, does it, it do, am I still doing it because I love it or because now I expect to get paid for it? And when I didn't get paid uh, the money that I wanted for it, did I sometimes feel resentful? Like, man, I know how much my value is now. I know how much I can charge for this kind of event. If I give somebody a discount because they seem cool, um, but then they turn out not to be cool, or even if they were cool, but I end up doing way more extra work to make the event successful, you know, was there not a piece of me that's like, dude, this sucks. Why am I doing all this extra stuff? Why did I try to go above and beyond when uh, all that was required was, you know, way, the bar was way lower. And that really would get on me over the years, you know, because I mean, it wasn't once or twice. This is like, you know, um, an ongoing part of my career in a sense was how do I, and I kept raising my price, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't charging more, that I didn't grow and, you know, get to the point where I was charging a lot more. But even then it was like, okay, you know, why uh, I'm, I'm charging more, but this is still not exactly the thing I want to be doing. And I know that at some point in my life, I am going to be doing exactly that thing and I will be compensated for it. But I also recognize that it's not quite yet. You know, I, I know that there is other things that I need to put in place first. And, and, you know, now I'm in a different place in life. I'm married with two kids that are young and I don't want to leave them. I don't like being out at night. So I basically stopped taking a lot of DJ gigs over the last year. Um, I still do some here or there uh, for extra money or, you know, I've had some good friends get married recently and I've taken those events on because, uh, you know, they're just good friends. I want them, I want to be a part of that, uh, you know, their event in that way. But by and large, I've really cut back on that, but largely because I'm burnt out and tired and um, it's stressful. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I can consult and, you know, make a living doing that while focusing on some of the bigger things and focusing on the music that I really do love, getting back to producing the kind of music that I want to hear, right? So, but there's also this value in service. There's tremendous value in serving people. And if they're having a joyous event and I know how to make them happy and provide the kind of music and entertainment that they want, is that not fulfilling? Yes, it is. Yes, it is, right? And if I can get paid for that, and that is something that I'm providing value for and getting paid my value for that, is that not rewarding and awesome? Yeah, it is too. So that's, I'm not giving you a good, clear direction, I understand. Um, I'm just pointing out kind of both sides uh, from my perspective of what I've experienced with taking something that I love, my art, and turning it into a business but then also for me, and not to say that you would do this, um, you know, kind of changing the art, I guess, to to make money, to get paid, right? So I have a, a lot of artist friends. I have another artist friend who um, produces paint, paintings, and really cool, yeah, just really cool paintings and tapestries, tapestries, and uh 
printable things. Very, very cool stuff. Very unique and uh, independent, right? You wouldn't probably see it like in a mainstream hotel chain. It's like, you know, smaller, more uh, unique art pieces. And he was recently on tour and, you know, I know he, he's a full-time artist. And I know, um, I know some of my other friends who are, but I also know that they, you know, live a different lifestyle than me. They're much more bohemian, perhaps. They have, you know, it's uh, more of an artist, quote unquote, artist lifestyle in a sense where they're a bunch of artists living in one big house or one big studio where they're free to be artists and not have to really pay rent because uh, they keep all their expenses super low and they, you know, make enough to get by and that whole kind of scene, which on the one hand, there's a part of me, it's like, man, if I was in high school, I'd have been all over that or in, you know, college age, I'd have been all over that. But obviously now I'm a lot older and that's not my scene, but I, um, but I see the appeal. They're doing exactly what they want to be doing. Nobody is telling them what to paint or what kind of art to create. They're doing exactly what they want, and they're living on their own rules. And so they have not sacrificed that part of their art or their passion to make money, but they have maybe adjusted their lifestyle for that. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they were already, you know, coming from that kind of lifestyle. But that's kind of, you know, is there that always that necessary trade-off of like, hey, uh, the starving artist, Right. You have to be a starving artist to do the art that you love. And then you could look at, you know, pop stars and say, well, look, they're crushing it. They're making millions and they're making music. That's awesome. And that's great. That's right. You know, they are. But they're also creating pop music. And not to, again, not to diss pop artists or pop music at all or people that listen to it. But that's, that's its own thing. If you're into pop music, great. Then that's pop culture. And if you're playing in the popular game, it's going to be easier to get clients and easier to get people to listen to you because it's popular and they're going to play that stuff over and over and over until you know it and it's uh you know it becomes ingrained in your in your psyche and your in the culture and uh yeah it's a trippy thing friend it's a trippy thing there's not a clear-cut thing i don't think and everybody's story is going to be different and um that's part of the the whole thing too i think this is art for me this podcast is art for me. I say really pretty much whatever's on my mind, minus the cussing. So, and that's something that is uh, something I consider too. Like, hey, should I do some of these podcast episodes where I just really, truly speak what I want to say? Um, and there's a part of me that says, yeah, that'd be awesome. Go for it. Do it. People will love it. And there's a part of me that says, no, don't be a freaking idiot, man. You've worked way too hard to build up this brand and all the stuff you're building. And if you start cussing the way you would if you were just really getting down to business um you'd scare 95 percent of the people off and uh we can't afford that <laughs> right uh, there's that fear of like shoot man if people knew the way i would probably really talk if i was just letting loose it would scare the crap out of most people and uh and i you know probably lose followers and this and that so so even now, as I'm sharing this with you, there's a part of me that recognizes the duality of it, of like, hey, I'm still in that cycle in a sense. The art for me is uh, is raw. Like the part of art that, that I like and that gets me going is not made for mainstream, for the mainstream. 
It's just not, right? I'm not like I I kind of walk that line with this show and with Finder Flow. Uh, with Finder Flow, I think in general I'm pretty mainstream. I keep it pretty clean and um, very middle of the road, so to speak, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of things in my past growing up. I've talked about previous shows about religion and, um, you know, that whole thing that when I was younger, I used to get much more fired up about and, uh, you know, probably offensive. And I don't want to do that, right? That's uh, part of my, hopefully, maturity and uh, experience and uh, hopefully wisdom and all that good stuff saying like, hey, let's not offend everybody. That's not a cool thing. Um, let's build a framework that anybody can relate to, whether they come from a, um, you know, religious background or not, and still be able to relate to what I'm saying and get value from it, right? That's a much more softer approach, much more, um, you know, yeah, softer approach, I guess, more mainstream approach, maybe more of a sellout approach. Maybe that is me selling out. Instead, I should be like, screw those people. Here's what I have to say. And the people that get it and listen will get it and listen. And to hell with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I should do. <laughs> we'll see, friends. We'll see. I am, I am seriously contemplating just doing a couple episodes like that. Um, you know, the artist in me says, yeah, idiot, freaking do it already, guy. Get to it. What are you waiting on? And then the business guy, I sell out on me, says, hey, you like eating, right? You like your nice car with gasoline? And you like your kids to be able to go to good schools? And you like living in a nice neighborhood? Don't blow it. Don't blow it, guy. So there's that. The fear. The fear and the loathing of the self. That is the self playing small in the box. That is scared to say things that will rock the boat. That is the dilemma. Maybe that's the last, maybe that's the final frontier. Maybe that's just the beginning. Maybe that's where it starts is once you get past that point. But then you see people that do that and, you know, I just saw a thing on Elon Musk today, an article about him getting subpoenaed by the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, for something he tweeted about. And then, like, he tweeted something, probably didn't think a whole lot of it, and then, you know, he's doing this interview with Joe Rogan and smoking weed, and, uh, you know, he's just getting blown up in the media about it, and it's like, that dude, Elon freaking Musk is huge, right? Like, he's a billionaire, I'm pretty sure, or beyond, and, um, you know, SpaceX and all these crazy huge things. And he just does a, a little thing here or there. And, yeah, it's not a little thing. I understand that. But, I mean, it's just amazing to see how quick the media has turned on him and how quick everybody's turned on him. And knowing who he is and all he's done and probably still will do, it's just it's it's amazing. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's crazy at the same time. So, um, yes, doing what you love that's uh, obviously not something I could tell you, hey, do this, do that. It's something that you need to figure out for yourself, right? And uh, try to find the best model. And I come back to this kind of uh, ideology a lot, what I'm going to share here is find the best models you can, the people that are doing the thing that you want to do. And But even then, at a certain point, if you're an artist, you've got to break out. You've got to do the thing. you got to do you, right? You are here to say something unique and do something unique. And even me telling you this, like, I'm just a talking head, too, at this point, right? Who am I? I'm a freaking guy doing a podcast from his car. Big deal. Like, anybody can do that. But not everybody does it, right? Because it's still, I had to put a lot of time and energy into getting it all set up and running the website. And then that, 
comes up with costs all the freaking time that it, who could predict that you need this thing and that thing and then this other thing to make that first thing that you already bought work. Freaking frustrating as heck, guys. It's a pain in the ass. But I love it. But I love it. I do it. And I'm dumping money into this thing every freaking month, guys. And it's not returning money at this point in droves that I want. But it's okay because why? Because I'm passionate and I do it for the love of it. So this is my art. So I do do it. I am a practitioner of the thing that I'm saying. I'm not doing it for the money, friend. I do it because I want to change the freaking world. Yeah. So call me a seller. I don't care. Like I'm doing it and I'm not making any money off it. That's worth bragging about. And uh, and that's and, But yeah, I'm still doing it. So I think that is maybe a lesson too, right? As much as I'm going back and forth and trying to figure out what I'm trying to say, I also am really doing it. I am truly still an artist at heart. I will be doing music that nobody's ever heard before, and it will be freaking awesome. And I don't care if I sell any of it because that's not why I'm doing it, because I make money with my day job. So I'm back to where <laughs> some of my friends were 20 years ago when I embarked on this direction in my music career. It all comes full circle. It all is what it is, and so it is, and so say we all. And until next time, my friend, be flowing. Hi, friend, Winston here. Thank you for listening to the Find Your Flow podcast. I really appreciate you spending time here. So I want to hook you up with some free stuff from the Find Your Flow shop and uh, some awesome discounts. So go ahead over to findyourflow.com forward slash podcast VIP. That's podcast VIP as in very important person as you are to me for being a subscriber to the podcast on your favorite listening station such as iTunes or Spotify or whatever. And I appreciate you so much for listening go there put in your name and email address findyourflow.com forward slash podcast vip and i will send you some cool stuff thank you again friend for listening take care and back to the show well thanks for listening friend by the way do you have a story that you would like to share with other flowers maybe you'd like to put it in a book well Go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club and learn how you can publish your own book or become a published author in the Find Your Flow book series. Simply go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club, all one word, and be sure to join the free Facebook group while you're at it. Thanks, friend, and until next time, be flowing.